Please listen carefully. Perrin, I don't even know how we met, but I feel like I've known you for a very long time. Obviously, it was at some point of doing CrossFit. Yes. But um, was it was it that competition in like that turf? Oh, arena? the CrossFit for Hope. Yeah. That was like 2012. Um, well, one of the memories I have is you taking photos at regionals in yes. 2012. While competing, I also had this great idea <laughs> of taking pictures. Yes. Now I was on a team, right? We kind of like I think we snuck in like in the last spot, uh, you know. But um, yeah, I had this great idea, like, hey, there's going to be all these elite CrossFitters. Let's take some pictures of them. And oh, by the way, I, I have a workout coming up. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, I contacted you after that because I because you took pictures and I wanted mm. to make a poster out of it. Yep. And that poster is still hanging at Requisite Fitness right now. <laughs> Too funny. Yeah. Yes, so, I do remember that. But I think that was part of it. And I okay. think we were just, um, you know, in a lot of similar circles of just, you yep. know, competing during the weekend. And yep. I think you were king of Prussia at the time. Yes. Yeah, yeah I got my yeah. start. at. Yeah, I, I started in grad school at Villanova just at the school gym on my own for like a year and a half. But then my first gym was KOP. And then for obviously first coaching was at KOP. Cool. Yeah. And that yeah. was back when requisite was 215. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Pretty crazy stuff. Um, so I thought today we would talk um, probably about coaching. Uh, we can talk about your new adventures going on. But um, you know, why don't you give people a little bit of background as to like where you grew up, uh, what athletics look like for you, and maybe you know, getting into CrossFit and coaching. Sure. Uh, so I actually grew up very close to here uh, at Springfield Township in Erdenheim. And growing up, I would call myself or consider myself your quintessential tomboy. I just wanted to play soccer or play hockey or run around and compete with the boys. I didn't really have any interest in dolls and sticker collection and stuff. So growing up, I really chased my cousins and older brothers around and sports were kind of my outlet to not only express myself, but they were what I considered having fun. So throughout, you know, elementary school, middle school, high school, I just played sports. I liked mostly softball and tennis. I tried to play basketball, was not good at that, mm -hmm. at like probably four foot nine <laughs> at the time. It wasn't really going to work out very well. And then got to college. I ended up going to Ursinus College, which is actually not that far from here. Yeah. And I wasn't really planning on going there, but um, ended up making the decision to go there. So by the time I wanted to maybe participate in a sport, my window was kind of closed. So mm. I actually ended up walking on the track and field team and I'd never done track and field before. So I just was like, hey, I can run in a circle like kind of fast. Can I, you know, be a participate and just stay in shape and stay competitive so did someone ask you to do that or that was just something that you that was like the, one of the few options that you could do by that point it was nobody asked me I was not anything special but I did have a friend that was a year older than me that ended up being my roommate for three years uh, Mary Ellen who was a thrower so I had a connection on the team and honestly because it was kind of low skill I was like it's just running so I feel like I can learn like pick up um, some of the more technical things and then a lot of the training so to speak is just kind of like effort um, I tried some other things that didn't go well I think I tried rugby uh, I tried actually within track and field I tried pole vaulting once and that was also terrifying but <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah I did four years of track there actually my the end of my junior year I picked up a javelin because throwing a softball for so long and hitting a, yeah, a tennis yeah. ball, my throwing skills are pretty good and that actually ended up being my best event. Really? So I just did that, I think the end of my junior, senior year um, and actually made it to championships in that event. So nice. um, that was fun and I learned a lot, I think about, I would say just really training hard. I mean, in high school, our sports teams weren't that good and I was, it wasn't that hard to kind of be at the top but I was never really pushed. And so mm. now starting a new sport that I didn't know anything about, I was one of the, I would say, worst on the team. I mean, I, I got to participate in some relays and we did well, but 
in comparison to good sprinters, I was not very good. Mm. But uh, I continued to get better and it was a great process of just learning, like I said, how to train, learning how to lift weights and just compete in a sport that is individual instead of team, you know, like softball. So mm -hmm. um, it's just kind of you and your own lane. And track is so pure because obviously you're racing other people, but you're also racing yourself, mm -hmm. which is yep. kind of actually parallels to CrossFit yep. as well. So yep. Yeah, you have your times, you know, I mean, cr track is obviously way more consistent in terms of what you're doing. So you can compare your times to your past times, right? But, um, you, but at the same time, you're on a team, right? Which for track and field, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you get, you as a team, gather points up depending on how you're placed and then that kind of determines the, the team event or team wins, right? Yep, for sure. Yeah. Um, and then also like being on relays would also be extremely fun, mm -hmm. like because you have your individual leg and your team is relying on you to basically do your job and mm -hmm. have smooth transitions, but it's also a team effort and those were always the best by far. So yeah, that was a great experience. And then um, after that, I graduated college my degree was in business and economics and going through college, I was like, I'm going to work on Wall Street. Like I'm going to work for a financial firm because I want to learn how to make money and, and really make sure that I feel financially secure coming out of school. And then the stock market crashed in 2007. I graduated in 2008. So a lot of my prospects for jobs just mm. didn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. Luckily, I found a company actually in Ballakinwood and um, had a really good job. So I worked on uh, the options trading, desk, doing operations, and then I ended up in fixed income. And that was a great experience, I would say, learning what I didn't want to do for the rest of my life. <laughs> um, but I think being in a kind of a corporate environment and having sort of a nine to five, the hours were actually a lot longer than that but mm -hmm. it gave me perspective on what kind of work I wanted to do and I just realized I really wasn't happy in in that type of work but at that time is when I found CrossFit so mm. uh, I think a friend of mine actually one of my roommates in college was kind of dabbling with some kettlebell stuff and she had mentioned it and then uh, I think two years after that job started, I was like, I just need something else. Like, I, there's something missing in my fitness um, routine that's, I'd like to compete maybe in some, something. I was trying to run races, but getting hurt and not yeah. really training properly, so. Yeah, what were you doing? Were you primarily running? I was running, because that yeah. was like the only. That was like the thing to do, Exactly. Right? I, I remember, I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, like and. What you do at a college, you, you run. Exactly. Like you sign up for Broad Street. You sign up for yep. ING Half Marathon. You know, like, All of those, yeah. 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 Um, but I, that would just, it got boring. You know, yeah. I wasn't really into it. Um, yeah, my, my routine, I remember, it, it was six days a week. I would go to the YMCA and I would do an hour of cardio and an hour of lifting and abs, which was like <laughs> some dumbbell rows and some crunches and didn't really know what I was doing. And... I felt like that was a really good effort, but nothing was changing. Like mm -hmm. it was just, oh, how, do, how does this elliptical feel today? You know, mm -hmm. a little bit easier, a little bit harder. So, and it was always by myself. Mm -hmm. You know, I was really just trying to either find programs on the internet or um, some type of inspiration to set or create a goal, but that's really hard to do when you don't really feel like you know what you're doing. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, so that's, yeah, I found two and five and, uh, Mike and Macbeth. What did, what did you, did you Google for CrossFit because you had heard about it from your roommate yep. uh, or were you just looking for gym near me? Yeah, I know. I was looking for a CrossFit gym yeah. and there weren't actually many where, where I live because mm -hmm. you didn't exist yet. Yeah. Uh, but so I looked for one near where I worked because gotcha. I figured I could maximize my commute there. So 215 was right in East Falls, right near Balkinwood. So hopped in there. I remember I showed up the first day. Oh my gosh. It was like, um, they just throw you into class. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I was like, can I try class? Yeah, sure. Old I was school. like, I have yeah. an athletic background. I'm pretty fit. Yep, yep. And then of course I show up and it was like three or four of the fittest people in the gym throwing down on, on Helen. 
Which and, seems pretty innocuous. Uh, yeah. Right? Three rounds, 400 <laughs> meter run, 21 kettlebell swings, 12 pull-ups. Yep. Like, okay. Yeah. Yep. I was like, oh, piece of cake. Yep. I can run. Yep. Like, I can maybe do pull-ups. Yep. Not really. I think I did, I either did jumping pull-ups or banded pull-ups. Yep. And yep. then I think I scaled the kettlebell to 20 or 25 pounds. Mm -hmm. And I remember I tried so hard. I was like, <laughs> I'm not gonna let anybody beat me. And I, I think I crushed that first 400 meter run. And yep. after that, it was, I was toast. But yep. I, I couldn't like take my shirt off mm -hmm. the next day because my lats mm -hmm. were so sore. Mm -hmm. And I was like, ooh, this is interesting. <laughs> I yep. like this. Yep. Uh, so- But you were in. Yeah. I was sold. Yeah. I was like, I drank the Kool-Aid big yep. time. And I would say I continued to do that for, for the next few years, especially getting into c competing and coaching. And so when I was working at the job, I also started coaching part-time. Mm -hmm. And I was, there was also a two-year period in there. I was a Phillies ball girl. <laughs> so I actually Seriously? had three jobs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was a wild 2000, uh, 2009 to 2011 was, was pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I started, so I guess I officially started in 2010 mm -hmm. and then started coaching 2011. Um, and then was coaching something that you were looking for. Um, like at what point were you like, Hey, yeah, I, I, w I do want to coach or did, you know, Micah or maybe at that point, Jay say, Hey, like, would you be interested in coaching? Honestly, I don't remember, but I would guess that I, it was probably me. Mm -hmm. I was probably like, you know, I saw other, other members coaching and, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, mm -hmm. I really enjoy this. I'd like to take a stab at teaching it. Mm -hmm. And it, I, I thought I would be better than I was in the beginning. I remember yeah. um, feeling really uncomfortable and awkward and speaking too fast. That was my biggest thing was yep. talking too quickly yep. uh, in the beginning. and. It took me some time to really feel comfortable and feel like I could um, own a room, so to speak. And even today, I mean, I feel like while I've had a lot more experience under my belt, there's still something special about coaching CrossFit, especially where because the people are always changing or the, either the people are changing your members or the people that have been your members for a long time are changing so there's always something i feel like to learn and expand on or do mm -hmm. differently mm -hmm. but it just it, it i think scratched that itch that i was missing from my job i was like i get to work with people and actually be able to help them and establish relationships and and witness progress in a person and i was not getting that thing behind a computer mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. um i think it it, I had a light bulb in my head at one point where I was like, maybe I could do this for a living, but mm. I knew that there would be, it would be a transition and there'd be a sacrifice involved. So, mm -hmm. um, but I did end up doing that. I ended up leaving my job in 2012 and coaching full-time. Micah offered me a, a full-time position to kind of like run the gym, manage the gym and take on a lot of coaching hours, which also allowed me the ability to train full time. Mm. So after 2012, when we went to regionals, um, I was like, well, maybe I can compete as an individual. Mm. Gotcha. So that ended up being my next goal. And I actually qualified. But also back then, I think they took like 60 people or something like that. It was a lot more. Was a lot. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> I, I qualified towards towards the end. But uh, but that was an awesome experience as well. Just mm -hmm. really um, training at the time, the hardest I ever had in my life to just do my best. I mean, I knew I wasn't gonna podium or any of that. So, um, but that was just, that was an awesome experience. And I mean, if I was hooked before, I was like really hooked after that. <laughs> when you went full-time coaching, um, you know, you had this um, realization with your finance job that oh, this is actually not really what I was thinking, right? So when you went full-time coaching, now obviously you were doing that part-time, so you knew a lot of those elements, but when that's your full focus, um, you know, some people might have had a, a realization or something. So did it just affirm what you were already thinking it would feel like? Um, were things different? You know, what was that transition like to go from 
kind of standard nine to five, right? Um, not that it was nine to five, but to coach, which a lot of people honestly probably think of as a hobby rather than a profession. For sure. Um, I would say it was probably harder than what I thought it was going to be. I mean, I think sometimes you can create these fantasies in your mind that the grass is greener on the other side and I'm going to have all this time to train and I mm -hmm. love coaching right now, so I'm going to love it even more when mm -hmm. I'm doing it all mm -hmm. the time. Yep. But, you know, sitting in a gym every day, all the time, then that now becomes basically your second home. It does change your perspective, I would say, on um, how you s spend your time and organize your time, but also having to manage my own time of training and getting other work done and writing programming and then the energy expended by mm -hmm. being in front of people or with people all the time. That was one thing I did not anticipate because I would consider myself a pretty introverted person, but mm -hmm. when mm -hmm. I'm in a setting of a gym, I can definitely turn it on. Mm -hmm. But when you turn it on, like all day, every day, it, it definitely, you need time to kind of like refill your cup. So mm -hmm. um, I struggled for sure. And then also tr I was trying to get more education. So I started, it was OPT at the time, now OPEX, mm -hmm. that CCP in 2013. So I was traveling to Arizona. I was getting other CrossFit certs because I wanted to have more knowledge and mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. education. So all of that was very overwhelming, but it was fulfilling. I mean, looking back on it now, now that you asked, I think if I didn't find benefit or I didn't think I was on the right path, I probably would have just cut it off and mm -hmm. stopped somewhere. Um, and, you know, it was... I mean, I ended up leaving two and five for a few years working at CrossFit Center City, which was also a great experience. Um, a larger coaching staff, so more collaborative. And mm -hmm. I really got to kind of see how other really good coaches kind of do their thing and their philosophies. Um, we went to regionals as a team again in 2014. And then I started getting into weightlifting and they had a barbell club. So that it was just a good environment for me to be in and then ended up coming back to 215 again um, and kind of that's when I really started getting into individualized coaching mm -hmm. so coaching athletes um, so and then I I mean maybe 2014 2015 I would say I started to take on clients and then since then I just really just slowly built like I didn't ever advertised or anything. It was more just like word of mouth and referral, but mm -hmm. um, I really liked kind of getting into the nitty gritty of a person and like somebody who has a specific goal. Like it's like kind of trying to solve a problem mm -hmm. and um, figure out how you can get them better at something specific. But also for me, the most rewarding part is just the whole journey of, like I said, the person, kind of like what you see in class of seeing an evolution, um, just the transformation of all the highs and lows and, and um, work, being on that journey with somebody else, I just, I don't know, I just think it's the best thing in the world. So, um, and I guess now I've been able to somehow sustain that professionally for over 10 years and um, looking back on it, I is not something I would have predicted I'd be doing like when I was younger. Mm -hmm. So, so coaching individuals for let's say competition, and especially now, I imagine you have a good amount of remote clients, so you're not actually seeing them work out. Uh, they might send you videos uh, of them lifting and and whatnot, but you know these could be people like who who's your farthest geographically? Uh, who's your farthest person? I used to coach a guy in Japan actually. Um, I I don't work with him any longer. Let me think about that. I have someone in Washington, mm -hmm. you know, um, one of my clients used to live in Canada. So it really is, it can it's be anywhere. Yeah, 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 for sure. So you're not with them physically, right? So talk to me about that interaction. Like are you guys setting up weekly meetings? Um, what, are you using True Coach? Um, like how do you keep tabs on people uh, in a way that is authentic and, um, you know, deeper than just simply sending them programming, right? While you're not physically there with them. Yeah. 
Um, I did use TrueCoach for a really long time, and I used it when they actually first started, and it was called the Fitbot. Yeah, Fitbot. Um, mm -hmm. I still have some clients on it now, and it's a great tool, but I've moved over to more Google spreadsheets, and actually I use Slack um, oh, yeah. to and put all my clients kind of in a workspace, and then I can mm -hmm. direct message them. Mm -hmm. um, so my but my process when I take on a new client, there's always a consultation. So I send them an intake form that asks them a lot of questions. Like the first one being, why do you want to coach? Because I think that's really important to kind of establish what are their past relationships. Do they have like, were, have they had relationships with another coach? Were they following a blog? Mm. What about a coach, a person writing your programming and you communicating with is important to you? Um, because I, th I don't think people necessarily might think about that. Mm -hmm. um, and they, there might be some things that kind of come out in that process of answering that question that they didn't even realize. And then I also know where they're coming from and mm -hmm. I know what expectations they would have for me and maybe if forever, whatever reason that didn't align with mm -hmm. what I was able to give them, we could kind of like figure that out off the bat. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, just performance metrics. If they want to compete, have you competed before? What were your past scores? I do a little bit of research on them. Um, and then what, what goals do you want to achieve? Do you want to try to get a ring muscle up? Do you want to snatch one and a half times your body weight? Do you want to compete at the CrossFit Games? Those are all going to be very different things, mm -hmm. or they could be similar paths or, uh, with different timelines for those. Um, or do you just, excuse me, you want to uh, be fit and healthy and, or just try to get better at burpees? Like, I have spectrums of clients that they don't all try to aspire to make it to the CrossFit Games, mm, but mm -hmm. some of them do and some of them have gotten there. And yep. I would say those ones have been a very cool experience to have in the, if you are a fan of the sport of CrossFit, just to, to be able to navigate that with somebody that has, that honestly I would say is special um, mm -hmm. because I don't think every person that would realistically be possible for them. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so anyway, I do consultation and then they, there's an expectation that they fill out their feedback every single training day. Um, so in, in Google Sheets, they have a column that they send that to me. We, they also can shoot me a message on Slack or text me. And mm -hmm. then I do uh, like video conference um, okay. check-ins every like four to six weeks. Gotcha. Yeah. So, and, and you know, one of our members, you have her daughter yes. uh, as one of your athletes. Yeah, so small that's, world. That's a fun uh, connection. <laughs> um, what do you, so you coached at um, Requisite Fitness and several other boxes. And then you have these remote folks. What is similar to doing that? Coaching, you know, in-person group classes or personal training. Uh, and then what's different uh, besides the obvious of, you know, not being able to physically see them work out? Because um, I'm because, you know, I, I feel like in the world of coaching, you know, um, there are a lot of different avenues people can go down in terms of focusing on a specialty, focusing on, um, doing what you're doing, you know, programming for individual athletes. Um, and so if someone's listening to this and thinking, oh, maybe this is something I'm interested in, um, you know, what would you tell them in terms of the things that are similar, things that are different? For sure. So I would say the biggest similarity, if you are doing CrossFit type programming, a lot of the stuff is, is going to be similar. So you're going to see you know, back squats and cleans and wall balls and burpees. Um, but how that is constructed to try to create a progression to get better at something might be more individualized if I'm coaching you one-on-one. -on -one. So for instance, if you wanted to get better at ring muscle-ups and I watched your ring muscle-ups and I was like, Chris, I think, I think you need to get a little stronger. Just in your upper pull, I could put together a progression that would get your pulling strength up and then give you some drills to really work on transition or whatever it was. Um, maybe in a group class, that can be a little bit trickier to do, right? So you see somebody that's lacking pulling strength and you're like, hey, if you really want to work on this, you might need to either get in here a little early or stay a little bit later yeah. and let's just work on increasing your pulling strength, but maybe not be able to give them something as specific. Both 
individuals can get to the same goal. It's just going to happen a little bit different, maybe different timelines. And mm -hmm. I can be more specific with you. Mm -hmm. And then you also can keep me updated. And there's just a higher expectation between coach and athlete that, hey, we're on the same page and, and you need to make sure you're communicating with me. Mm -hmm. um, so in some respects, maybe that timeline gets accelerated because we're really focusing on it. Maybe we're doing having more touches. Um, but I've also had group clients before that are just like phenoms, you know, they get something one or two tries or they're very, very diligent and they'll do exactly what you say. Mm -hmm. You don't need to have to remind them a month later, you're like, hey, how are those muscle ups going? You're like, oh, incredible. Yeah. You know, I've been yep. working on them three times a week. So um, as far as like movement, I see a lot of the similar trends in just the way people move in certain movements in CrossFit. So um, a lot of whether you would call them faults or just um, maybe inefficiencies. Mm -hmm. So how I might solve that or try to improve it or even create a prehabilitation if I, you know, there's common issues with shoulders, basically all the yeah, joints. Yeah, what, what, what are the common things that you see? Yeah, so I mean, for a lot of, honestly, men usually more than women, mobility, you know, mm -hmm. uh, especially in Keep the shoulders, fine. the other thoracic big time, yep. um, which can be super limiting. But then, you know, you have the other side of the spectrum, you could have someone that's super lax and flexible. So you just need to be careful in a group setting if you're trying to prescribe something that's supposed to make them a little bit more, you know, lax. Yeah. You don't always want to do that with those types. But um, mobility for sure. I think trickier parts would be like metcons or conditioning and um, the stimulus, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I might give someone a progression to get better at thrusters and chest to bar pull-ups and um, write that in a way that we're trying to improve movement speed on just the thruster or something like that. You know, I don't think I could go around a room and necessarily give individual stimuli, but you can still educate the whole class about hey, this is Fran or something. Like, this mm -hmm. is what it's supposed to feel like. Mm -hmm. It's not supposed to be super slow. It's supposed to be a little uncomfortable. Um, here are some scaling options. So you can do all that in both, you know, um, groups, but with the individual, it's just gonna be more specific to what their goals are. Your athletes, are they um, primarily working out at home alone? Are they in a gym, but they're going to like open gym or doing it on the side? Like where are they actually getting this work done? Well, COVID definitely increased mm. the amount of people doing things from home and some yeah. people built home gyms, that which is yeah. awesome. Um, a lot of people have gone back to gyms, even if they built a, a gym because of the social aspect. Mm. And that's one thing that I don't think people realize is such a huge benefit to CrossFit like or or a group fitness gym anywhere where you're able to interact and establish relationships with humans and that's what i think is so much fun about this type of exercise is like yes you're working out which a lot of people honestly don't, aren't motivated enough to do on their own but now yep. you get coaching guidance you get to do it next to somebody else and there is something very human about that shared suffering aspect or even you could call it with not maybe not suffering, but just learning and getting better yep. and encouraging each other. So, yep. um, yeah, I've seen a lot of people go back to gyms and and prefer not to do too many sessions at home because they had to do that for a long time. And yeah. um, I think training environment can be a huge factor, especially for the more competitive you are. I think the more important it is. Yep. Yeah, I I I completely can see that and agree with that. In that we as humans are tribal people, right? Like we, when you think about it, I mean, it was safer to be in a group of people because you can have people protect you, you can have people hunt and gather, you, like everyone had different skill sets to contribute to the greater good, greater group. And that to me is just built in our DNA. So I see a lot of people buying Pelotons and getting the, the mirror and all these, you know, at home things, which I think is totally great and fine. and. It's an awesome option to have when you are at home or if you are busy where 
getting in a 30-minute quick workout at home is, is great. Um, but I will, I will always believe in the in-person group structure because to me, this is for a lot of people their third place. You know, like uh, who, Starbucks CEO Charles Schultz right, um, talks about Starbucks being the third place, um, which is a great goal. But you know, when I go to Starbucks, I'm not like chatting it up with the guy next to me. Like mm. I'm, I'm getting work done or whatever. Um, whereas here, you get people from all walks of life coming in. Pro honestly, you, you probably saw this at Requisite too, like people who probably wouldn't be friends otherwise, you know, because of various things, um, various reasons, but they have that, that common bond of work, working hard, learning new things, um, which is one of my favorite, favorite aspects of, of CrossFit. It's, it's not simple, right? Um, and, and putting in the work, right? And seeing some sort of result from it, even if it's just the feeling of working hard. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I mean, obviously we know the health benefits, but I do think the mental benefits honestly might be more important, mm -hmm. um, as, especially as we all get older and um, just our life cycle, even for athletes, when they stop becoming athletes, still having an avenue to socialize and express themselves and feel like they are participating in something that is fun and mm -hmm. um, kind of not losing that luster. Yep. But yeah, I, I think about this a lot and just how, you know, I've always been attracted to sports as an, a vehicle to like, not only express myself and challenge myself, but also just to, to learn. And I mm -hmm. do feel like there's something deep in there that ties into kind of the human aspect of tribalism or whatever, where it's the one of one of the only things that like you take the Olympics, for example, that unites the entire world, right? Where you yep. where we can all raise our own flags and, and be on our team representing our country, but we're playing the same sport as somebody across the world is mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and competing against each other. And, you know, you don't have to you're not worrying about all the other things that make us different where you're mm -hmm. almost embracing those differences and um, you can just go out there and do your thing so um, I, I just think there's something cool about it and and with you know fitness obviously I'm an advocate for people learning how to eventually be independent in some aspect in their fitness not always rely on the gym be, like if the gym's closed oh I can't do anything today mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I think uh, COVID has also illuminated that, like challenge, really challenge people that, okay, you might not be able to do what you could do in the gym today, but you can do something. Right. Um, right. And then also use your fitness. Like I've just gone on a bunch of ski trips and I'm going to go on more. And I'm like, wow, my legs feel a lot stronger than they did last year. And I can do harder terrain or, or be able to sustain my endurance longer. And like that is really awesome. Like yeah. that really is rewarding because now I can do all these things I couldn't do before. So yeah. yeah, I love that. A lot of our people say that this is their therapy and it's a lot cheaper than therapy. Right? <laughs> it is. Um, so in a way, you know, coaches, I believe coaches should um, not necessarily have a degree per se, um, but be realize that the role of a coach is also like a counselor, teacher, coach obviously in, in the very obvious aspect, but a lot of people come here just to blow off steam and just to forget about everything else out there, right? And just get in the flow because when you're in the middle of a workout, you're not thinking about anything else, right? For sure. Um, so I don't, know, I don't know if you see that with your, like your individual clients, like do you find that <clears throat> just you're, you're an outlet to them, uh, not, not a therapist per se, you know, exactly, but you know, there's someone, you're someone who can, they can turn to? Yeah, absolutely. And um, honestly, my conversations with my clients are as, I hope they're rewarding to them, but they're very rewarding to me because I get to learn just more about people and obviously them um, and how to be a better coach. Mm -hmm. And so I've learned the most from all the mistakes I've made, to be honest, but um, I really enjoy those conversations and I like to, like I like to establish deep relationships with people, but that also takes time. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I mean, being a coach, I know the value and see value in a coach, but I think that 
as we grow up as just human beings, we start to lose our lose the amount of people in our life that we can kind of look up to and learn from, right? So when we're young, yeah. our parents, obviously, and then we have all of our teachers. Once you get out of academia, you have maybe your boss, but who else do you have to kind of lucky, learn from? Like yeah, you, you exactly. You would look up to a boss. Right? Or if so you have people. a good boss. Yeah. Or, um, <laughs> and then, you know, you have your peers and stuff. And I think same thing with what a gym provides, I think a coach can be a guide basically. And yeah. I definitely don't know everything. In fact, I feel like every day I've learned, like I realize I know less than I think <laughs> I do. Um, but I, I think having people that you can um, be very honest with about whatever's going on with you is super helpful. Mm -hmm. Like you said, it's not therapy. And if, if, I ever go down that path with people where I'm like, hey, I think maybe you should talk to somebody else about yeah. this because yeah. that's outside my scope. Right. Um, but at the same time, I think everybody just wants somebody they can talk to and yep. vent to. And yep. I try to let athletes vent, but then I also have boundaries there where I'm like, this is not productive anymore. Like mm -hmm. you're not mm -hmm. helping yourself. Yep. Like you get 15 minutes to like pout a little bit and then it's back to the drawing board. So. <laughs> Um, I think that also can, can be helpful for people um, just to realize like you need to have constraints in your own emotional outlets um, and, and or complaining about the same thing that you can't control over and over again is really not going to help you. So yeah. um, sometimes I can err a little bit too hard and I think sometimes maybe I can be a little bit too soft and I, I try to find a balance try to find with people. Balance. Yeah. Depending on the person too. It, right? For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. I think that's the whole idea of like as you learn more, you, you realize how much you don't know. Yeah. I think I think there's a an effect like the Dunninger Dunning-Kruger. Dunning-Kruger. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So it's this like however many how much how much time you spend doing something and the amount of knowledge that you have and there's it goes up really high because people when they first start something they think they know a lot and then all of a sudden as you know more it comes right back down because you just realize what you don't know. For sure. Um, and then and then it goes back up as you actually do get that more experience. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. I think that just happens. It's that's just going to be a natural and recurring trend forever. You mm -hmm. know, I think there's always more things that you can learn. And then another thing is like, I think there's a, a process that happens in your brain where you are learning from somebody that you, you really resonate with and you can kind of maybe put them on a pedestal mm -hmm. and then assume that everything they say is right and then yeah. maybe down the road like that becomes disproven and then yeah. you're like yeah. questioning everything yep. but i've definitely done that before you know um and i think also like to to just give maybe those people credit sometimes at, at the point in time they were you know educating people on something they were correct for sure. or they, they for sure you know yeah. um so but that is, it's such an interesting process of, you really have, I think in coaching and anything, you have to constantly be learning. And if you aren't passionate about that, you're gonna have a hard time evolving and continuing, I think, to keep up with what's going on. Um, so it's just part of the process, like can't be afraid to be wrong because you probably will be eventually, yep, you know? For sure. Um, and Many I, times. For sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, over and over again. But I will say, I think the benefit to coaching for many years is that I've seen a lot of different scenarios play out. I've experimented with things. So over time, you start to kind of like weed out the things that don't work mm -hmm. most of the time for people. Um, but I try to stay open minded because I can also get a little bit myopic in believing that oh this is this is the thing that works and it might not work for somebody um right. and that could be for so many different reasons it's not even might not necessarily be the program it could mm -hmm. just be the way they interpret it or their mindset or s like silly things that you wouldn't even realize because you're it's a remote relationship so yeah. i do prefer coaching people in person mm -hmm. always mm -hmm. um but unless anyone wants to move down to Georgia <laughs> and work with me. Um, I think that remote is still, you can still have a really, create a really good relationship with, some, with yeah. somebody. 
Well, the, the pandemic has kind of uh, encouraged that, so. For sure. Yeah, working remotely. Um, yeah, so let's talk about that. You're gonna move or have moved to Georgia. In the process um, of the trying process to. Of um, you now will be working for a training think tank. Yep. So for people who don't know what training think tank is, uh, what is it? What will you be doing? Um, how did this come about? Sure. Yeah. yeah, Training Think Tank is a coaching organization based out of uh, Georgia. It was founded by Max El Hajj, who I did a mentorship with last year, and that's actually how I ended up getting the job. Gotcha. Um, but it's a group of coaches, and they're all individual coaches. They do the same thing that I do. They coach people individually. They also do some group coaching now. We have a group program called The Design, as well as a education platform called The Classroom for coaches who want to continue their education. Um, so coaches work on different projects within the realm of the design, the classroom, and coaching one-on-one. -on -one. Um, so as we were talking about earlier, one of the things that attracted me to them was their philosophy that they are think tank. So, you know, making sure that you're not in your own echo chamber of ideas, challenging each other, um, being okay with accepting that other people have different ways of doing things that could also work. And then you can actually end up learning something new from somebody else um, and, and upgrading your own kind of methods. Mm -hmm. But I would say, generally speaking, there's a lot of similar philosophies about um, coaching and training protocols and those types of things. So they are kind of under this, they are under the same umbrella um, and all really trying to just help people achieve their goals and in, in a way that creates sustainability and longevity, especially for athletes, which I feel like is really not, I don't want to say ignored, but um, mm -hmm. there's not enough emphasis on that, like tr creating training programs that can get people to podium at the games, but also keep them from having surgeries when they're, you know, in their 20s gotcha. and 30s mm -hmm. and have longevity in the sport. Now, we don't really know what the life cycle of a CrossFit athlete is going to be because the sport is still so new. new. Yeah. But um, if there are people that are started as teens and maybe they will want to try to compete as a master's, like, couldn't they actually do that? Or is the way that they're training not really going to allow them to be able to do that? And even if they don't want to compete, I could even say be able to like run around with their kids when they're 40, 50, 60. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I did the mentorship with Max in the summer and that was an awesome experience and actually it's coming full circle now because we're i'm working on a project to to release a new mentorship program this year cool. for coaches who want to kind of have a more specific guidance and feedback in their own coaching process and their education um, but honestly i just the mentorship program finished and one day i'm training in my garage and i get a text from max and he's <laughs> like would you uh be interested in moving down here to work for training think tank and I was like uh yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah sure that'd be awesome so it kind of came out of the blue and um I feel very very lucky honestly because I think there are I know there are tons of coaches that are beyond qualified to work for an organization like that um but so I'm just I've started the beginning of January and it's been really awesome so far and just kind of trying to soak up as much knowledge as I can. And um, I've taken on some clients through them, but also transferred all of the clients I had before. Um, so now it's nice because they're, um, you know, in the community. And, mm -hmm. and that, I think that's a big part of it too, just having a community that people feel like they can be a part of mm -hmm. um, and that they also obviously believe in the same types of principles. Um, but you know, going back to some of the social aspect, I think people like that too. You know, you like sure. creating alliances to your sports teams or your hometown and all that stuff. So yeah, well, it goes back to how when you joined the track team, you were competing as an individual for most of the events, but you were part of a team, right? So now your athletes are, for the most part, competing as individuals, but they're, they're under the umbrella of training think tank, which they can have those shared experiences, even if it's remote. For sure. Yeah. Um, so do you have a title? Is it like a, do you have a set role and tasks and everything? Or is it more like, 
hey, let's come down here, let's just soak up as much as we can and let's, you know, you're building the mentorship program, obviously, but. Yeah, so it's actually been a fairly fluid process. And, and when I asked that question to Max, he was like, well, um, you know, I, you're gonna start with remote coaching, which mm -hmm. is what I'm doing right now. And then I came and he had some ideas, like the mentorship and some other things I'm working on. So mm -hmm. it's kind of been, um, I mean, this is kind of the way they do it. It's like, all right, what are your interests? What are your strengths? What gotcha. are, do you want to work on? And let's try to maximize that so you're doing something you actually want to do. Yep. And that's actually worked out really well. Cool. Um, and, you know, I just, I think that's a great way to kind of lead an organization. It mm -hmm. might take a little bit more work on a front end, yep. um, but that's kind of how they operate. Everybody has, is kind of on a team that does some collaborative work. Yep. And then everyone also has their own individual clients where they can really just run their own show um, and just make sure you get your work done in a timely and professional manner. <laughs> nice, I like it. Yeah. So you're going out west skiing a little bit. Um, a lot, you know, a lot of people like traveling and obviously have been restricted this past year with traveling. One of the questions that I like to ask is what's on your bucket list? Mm. So whether that's travel related or otherwise, um, what's on your bucket list? There's a lot of things on my bucket list that are travel <laughs> related because that's definitely one of my top, yep. you know, top hobbies, I guess you could say. But we are, uh, we are checking off one of them coming up. So. I'm going to be flying out to Montana and going to Big Sky, doing some skiing there, then driving over to Wyoming, hitting Jackson Hole, which is one of my favorite places in the country, and then maybe Grand Targhee, and then over to Idaho to uh, maybe check out some more stuff. But um, yeah, the mount, there's something about the mountains that just mm -hmm. like sucks me in, you mm -hmm. know? Um, they're very captivating and then obviously I just enjoy skiing and getting better at skiing has been a goal over the last few years and I've actually done less CrossFit and less other hmm. training in order to be able to get better at that, at that and some climbing and some other stuff. So that's been an inter interesting shift but just rewarding in another way to be able to like use my fitness. Yeah, um, sure. I mean, if possible, eventually I'd just like to be able to go overseas again and see some new places. I was born in South Korea, but I've never been there. So that would be a cool place to visit, mm -hmm. um, hopefully at some point. Uh, and then what's been nice about coaching athletes that qualify for competitions is they're located globally. So yeah, sure. um, I went to Argentina last year with an athlete. And so it would be cool, you know, oh, yeah, to travel cool. to some cool places yeah. and be able to co-mingle, you know, work yeah. and then also play. Um, and I know you're a, a, an avid reader as well. Uh, we talk a lot about books between the two of us. So what books uh, have you read recently that stand out to you or, um, any takeaways from, from books? I, you know, I feel like there's so many out there, but what are ones that you know, have kind of stuck with you or you've read recently? Sure, well, I have a really bad habit of starting like a lot of books at the same time. <laughs> and um, I don't know anyone like that. <laughs> and the, the good thing about that is I like, I used to have be very, get very guilty when I did not finish a book cover to cover. Yep. Um, and I've, stopped caring about that yep. so it's actually nice because i can pick something up when i'm in the mood to read something like in that kind of genre yep. um, which is often non-fiction but um have you heard of uh, breath by james nestor yep it's on my list yeah so read it, that's been i mean it's been very popular just For breathing sure. in general has gotten really really popular so that is definitely a good read um, I just finished, I think it's called The Mindful Athlete, mm. and I forget the author's name, but he was Michael Jordan's like mindfulness trainer. coach. Yeah, or mindfulness or, coach. yeah, okay. something okay, cool. like that. Because his trainer also wrote a book, at least one book. Uh, I read that one. Oh, uh, Relentless? Like yeah. Tim Grover or something yeah, like Tim that? Grover, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that book was good too. But yeah, this guy, I forget what his name is, I'm blanking on it, but um, it, he talks about how he tied in he ties in like Buddhism um, and he coached the, the whole Bulls team, like not just Michael during a lot of those championship years. Gotcha. Um, it's not, it's a really easy read. It's not very long. I, a lot of it resonated with me because I 
I grew up in a household of yogis and you know parents that were very mindful and my dad actually has a, a mindfulness organization that's that's trying to reach out to children and to, really? to teach them mindfulness at a young age especially okay. now with you know all our digital products yeah. um, so I have a lot of ex I, sh I don't know if I'd even say experience but just life experience yeah. yeah and it's funny because I think growing up I actually resisted that a lot because <laughs> it was like my parents were like yep. well you know you should you know be present and you know all that stuff I'm like yeah yeah, yeah whatever yeah. but um, a lot of that I am trying to use now with co in coaching um, and it's amazing how many parallels there are to just life in general outside of athletics um, so if you are a coach, I definitely would recommend that one. Cool, I like it. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to mention, coaching-wise, travel-wise, book-wise? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I don't know. It's nice to see you and yeah. and hang out in Pennsylvania for a little bit. I'm gonna still trying to figure out when I'm gonna get settled in Georgia. But if anyone's interested, I guess check out Training Think Tank. Yeah, where can people find you yeah. for Training Think Tank? Yeah, Training Think Tank on Instagram, trainingthinktank.com. Like I said, we're gonna be doing a, launching a mentorship, probably not until August. Okay. But um, we'll and be- And that will be geared towards coaches. Towards coaches, for okay. sure. And I would say coaches that already have a year or two of experience, just because I don't think you'll be able to get out of it what you want if mm -hmm. you're not, you haven't kind of been in the trenches. Um, but outside so similar of similar to how like level two, CrossFit level two, they say, hey, you should coach at least six months, if not longer, to really have context as to what we're talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. And then outside of that, the Training Think Tank has the classroom, which is just a, like a monthly subscription. And there's a ton of really good stuff in there that you can poke around, even just sign up for a month and see if you like it. Um, but they've really increased the amount of content they have so they have a mm. book club um, they have like program design examples where you know you take an avatar of a person and 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 try to write a program for them then they analyze it um, so they're doing a lot of cool monthly recurring things and then they have s certain series where they get do deep dives on very um, specific issues or specific topics like breathing for example yep. um, and then for me I mean I don't really post too much on social media <laughs> I repost stories of my clients doing cooler things that I can do but uh, um, yeah I'm on Instagram at pear bear um, and that's pretty much it cool maybe you'll see me skiing in the next few weeks yeah love it. <laughs> well that's how I how I realize at least that our our member Janine her daughter Marissa um, yes has been training with you because yeah. you were reposted something from her Instagram. But yeah. I saw it on hers as well because we follow Marissa as well. Nice. So, yeah. Awesome. It's funny. Cool. All right. Well, thank you. Appreciate yeah. your time. Thanks for having me. It was yeah. fun. Please listen carefully.